0: Welcome back to Hobby Time with Dirk Nasty. I'm Keith. I go by Dirk Nasty on the VBA Discord and within the VBA universe, and I'm joined again by my friend Pat, goes by Fab Uless, uh, and is the other half of ALF. So so Pat, uh, we talked last week about his Game 1 uh, matchup with Grape Gaming in the Knights of D-Gen VBA tournament, and we wanted to spend some time recapping that and then talk about setting lineups for his second game against Showtime d today. So Pat, welcome. Thanks for having me, Keith. Glad to be back. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I think the, the first episode talking about like how we were thinking about lineups is interesting, but now having the benefit of hindsight, I, I'm really interested to hear like what you thought about that matchup and if, how, if, if any, uh, that actually changes your thinking going into game two. But before we do, the people want to know, like wh- what is why ALF? What does ALF stand for? What does that mean? Why is that part of our
1: team name? All right, so, and you're gonna have to help me because I actually I don't know who actually came up with it. Um, I thought it was you. Does that sound right, or or was it me? You gotta. I me. think I I don't know. I don't know. My memory okay. sucks, but I think it was probably not me. Okay, uh, let's say it's me. I think it was. Well, the origins was definitely Call of Duty, and you have to put in a clan name. And it's always three letters right and so we had alf and then you and then our other coworker, worker jason picked it up and i think a couple other people that just and you know, i was friends with and everyone would always ask oh yeah that's funny it's kind of like it's coincidental because it's you know alf the tv show alien life form but what does it really mean And I would just be like, no, it's literally ALF, the TV show. (laughs) And so it kind of became a nice running joke uh, of people that I was running with. So it made its way through to BBA. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was, was, so that was Call of Duty Black Ops 1.
0: Like, I I have no idea when that was released, but that must have been like 2008 or something like that, right?
1: Yeah. Okay. And so I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to put out this funny tidbit since it was 2008 and we were playing a character who did really well against us and his name was curry <laughs> and in sort of the worst trash talking ever on the mic you hear he say curry sucks and then like oh. silence and then we all start laughing and i just thought of the irony back then because of all the nba players He's basically the one you can't say. Curry sucks. Oh yeah. Pretty funny.
0: I love Steph. I
1: love curry, the food. I
0: I like everything about curry. I don't know what I'm the worst trash talker in history. I'm just it's just not part not part of my (laughs) not part of my game. And so I never do it, but the one time I opened my mouth, like it was a complete disaster. And the, the guy was just like talking talking smack and Responding to me and I,
1: I had nothing. I was I'm so bad at that. <laughs> I think that's the so, fact that everyone laughed though made it even better. Like that was the win. Was everyone knew it was so bad, but that's why I don't smack talk either.
0: Oh well, then let me change my response to that's that's exactly what I was going for. It was like self-deprecating uh, <laughs> trash talk. Uh no, that that was an embarrassing moment in my in my life. But I'm glad that we're still getting a kick out of it what some 15 years later <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah okay so we were we were we were a clan in uh black ops called or call of duty black ops and see i'm looking it up now it was released in in november 2010 so so we're talking okay. 12, 12 years ago or so but we were we were pretty good a uh, pretty good group like we were i would say that we were definitely a play the mission type of uh clan right like I don't think we really, I think we rarely ever had the most kills or the best KD or anything like Mm -hmm. that, but we won a lot. Yeah. And I think it's because we've played the, played the mission.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All
0: right. All right. So, well, thanks for indulging me in that uh, bit of nostalgia and for, uh, you know, bringing back some, some uh, not so fun memories for me, but I I will tell you like to this day, like, you know, I told you I play basketball every week and everything. I, And I I haven't gamed online that much lately, but I have done some Warzone stuff and and a few other things. And like, I just don't, I just don't talk smack. Yeah. (laughs) It scares me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we talked about uh, your, your first matchup in the, in the first VBA tournament ever was against Grape Gaming. Uh, Grape, you know, has historically been like one of the best, the best managers with some of the best players, or at least one of the best players in, uh, in all of BBA. And in fact, he had another one that really uh, impressed me. And I meant to go back and look at his game log, but we'll we'll get to the individual players. So we, we talked through the process of setting the lineup. Do you want to, do you, do you have it up? Do you want, do you want me to run down the lineup that he's, that he set or that you set? I have it up, but you can go through it. Well, how about I do him, and then you and then you share okay. yours. So Grape actually ended up um, running out with a special pass first guard. Basically, he played a legendary and four specials, right? So one legendary, mm-hmm. four specials. A special pass first guard, a special pure shooter. I'm going from, from point guard to center. A special point forward, which I thought was an interesting choice, especially after already having a pass first guard in there. A special fundamental big and a legendary stretch big. Now, a few things before I ask you about yours, a few things really stuck out to me about his lineup. One was having both the pass first guard and point forward. And then the second is in this era right now of VBA where all kinds of defensive players, rim protectors, versatile forwards in defensive guards and three and B wings, all have a place and are are all found on a lot of winning teams right now. He played none. Right which I, I thought was really interesting. So what what was your, can you run
2: down your lineup? Like what was the, the counter to the, or the, the matchup that we, that we saw? So I had a rare scoring guard at the point, a pure, special pure shooter. Uh, and then at the three position, I had an elite versatile forward. I then had a rare fundamental big, James Frazier. And I had an underdog playmaking big as my passer at the five. And he was out of positions. It's a small forward, power forward, playing at center, which has worked before. So. Yeah.
0: So I, I thought I thought that was an interesting lineup as well, but I, I liked it in the sense that, you know, you've got your a, a elite versatile forward. If you if he gets the right matchup, he should be able to lock, you know, pretty much anyone down. You've got inside scoring with Fraser, outside scoring with uh, Alex Trebek, your special pure shooter. Uh, Claire Beecham is the, the rare scoring guard, pretty pretty solid most of most of the time. Not so much from three, it just doesn't take that many threes, but a good defender normally and a solid, you know, two-point scorer. And then you've got the passing with the, the playmaking big. Now you played two players out of position, right? You, so you talked about the underdog playmaking big, but also the rare scoring guard is a shooting guard eligible player that you played a point guard. Is, so playing two players out of position, is that something that you know, you're know you pretty comfortable with or do often?
2: It is, especially if there's a history of them being okay um, out of position. Uh, again, Mario Van threepols who's a small forward, power forward, I believe. I'll play him in the one to the five. Um, and that seems to work. I honestly don't think they're – I, get, I know there probably is a penalty, but I felt it's worth it to get the right matchup uh, to play them out of position. But I have been trying to get also off the market, uh, if I see any inexpensive um, out sort of out-of-position people, I'll try to get them. Like, I just got a underdog small forward, power forward, so I could... Or that was a slasher, so I could run a slasher to power forward and maybe even center position, so... I like making those weird matchups.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cool. Okay. So we, we went down Grapes lineup, went down your lineup. Let me I wanna read some of the stats uh, position by position and then we'll talk a little bit about the game itself. Cause it was a, actually a really close game. I actually let's do that first. So the final was 81 to 89, grape one, right? Grape won, <laughs> 81 to or eighty nine to eighty-one. A few things that stuck out to me from the overall team box score. Um, but it, although it was a very even matchup in terms of most of the counting stats, but he, he was able to get up five more shots, including three more makes all, all three of those additional makes, um, were threes, I think, uh, each team made 17 free throws out of 21 or 22 attempts. So free throw line, no, no real advantage there, but I, 43 total free throw attempts is quite a bit, uh, and, almost any game but that was split pretty evenly the number of shots was mostly even he got a few more uh, number of threes were mostly even i think he took five more three-point attempts Um, and then offensive defensive rebounds and i'm using hoop loop for this but offensive defensive rebounds were again pretty similar assists were pretty similar and i believe you had three turnovers three more turnovers than he did and that seemed to be essentially kind of the difference in the game at least when you look at it in aggregate Mm -hmm. did you did you feel anything differently not talking about individual players just yet, but just overall, like what did you think of the of the outcome, yeah. the the stats?
2: Yeah, I was surprised to see that we kind of traded columns, but then again, kind of just looking at the game flow um, graphic, you know, we both took turns leading, uh, and he ended up leading at the end, which is most important. One thing I, I think that, and again, it's kind of just thinking about assists I would have expected him to have way more um, just because he had the the pass first guard and the point forward. So that's interesting that he only had two more. Yeah and he had so, Barn barndog. So
0: yeah so. let's let's so let's start there with, with Barndog right so Barndog legendary stretch big he played at center and we when we talked about it last week we kind of or I, I told you that was where I kind of expected him to play to play Barndog. And like, I would have run a special three and D. Now you were a little bit concerned, right? In the sense that your, your lineup was set and it was an underdog playmaking big, but I think he actually held up pretty well. So Barndog's numbers were 18 points on seven of 14, zero of four from three. So he didn't make a single, a a single three pointer did have 17 rebounds, two assists, uh, two steals, three blocks, two turnovers. And then, and Bronson, you're you're playmaking big, 12 points on 5 of 11, so almost 50% mm-hmm. from the field, 10 rebounds, 12 assists, two blocks, and three turnovers himself. So I think as, from going from a legendary to underdog at the center position, right, like, especially an underdog playmaking big who, while I think they match up okay on stretch bigs, as far as, like, depending in, on, on the exterior, uh, is certainly not something that you would normally choose, but it worked out pretty well for you, I think.
2: Yeah, I... Again, if he would have gone like, this is about as good as he plays. You know, if he would have gone eight, eight, and eight, I would have thought to myself, well, he was um, matched up against a legendary, um, and regardless of the position of the legendary, I would just would have thought he would have been much worse off. Um, but I, again, for him, yeah. I can't complain. I, that's just going to be kind of my theme for all these players. I can't really complain much on how they played it's just um didn't get the w yeah
0: so so let's there's a couple a couple of matchups though i wanted to to talk about so i think that one like i would actually even classify that as a a win or at least a slight (laughs) a slight a slight win or no worse than a draw for sure right Uh, but especially considering the salary difference right going from a legendary to underdog now talking about at the, the power forward position, so you played James Fraser. He's uh, my rare fundamental big. He's extremely good. He had and this game he was good too. Yeah, maybe right. And we'll talk about that. But he had 27 and 19 with four blocks, right? On 63 percent shooting, like yep. that's uh 27 points on on 16 shots is pretty good. However, he was matched up against a special fundamental big, who had just as good of a game. 27 points on 18 shots with 67% shooting, 12 rebounds, two blocks and then two turnovers. So yeah. I actually kind of marked this as a loss. Uh, that was, yeah. yeah,
1: it would be a loss only because I expect too much from James Frazier. If that makes sense. I just expect well, the other guy to score 19. If it was this type of situation, especially being a rare over a special. Yeah.
0: Well, I think we talked about, um, in in our episode last week, we talked about that. I thought I thought, in my experience, Fraser and and Claire Beecham are pretty good defenders for not being non defensive um, mm-hmm. play, uh, play styles. And yeah, he he basically didn't hold up. Like that was from a numbers perspective, more or less a wash. But because of the salary difference, I, I marked that as a loss, similar to to the way that I marked the center position as a win for you. Okay. So mo- moving up to small, although I wouldn't have. I w- at, before the game was played, I would have said, okay, this should be a win, right? Like a rare, a really good, rare fundamental big against a really good special fundamental big. I would, I would hope that you would get a little, a little bit more of a, uh, an advantage there. So at the small forward, you played Mario van three pools. He's your elite versatile forward, six points, four field goal attempts did a little bit of everything, a few assists, a few rebounds, uh, blocks, steals, <clears throat> uh, but not, not very impactful offensively. Mm-hmm. And on defense, he played Savage, Savage point. It was a special uh, point forward who scored 22 points on 16 field goal attempts with seven assists and three turnovers. So how did you feel that that,
1: that worked out for you? Horrible. Um, I feel that's where I lost the game. I'm okay with Mario not
2: making shots, honestly. Uh, and the one for four, you know, I'll take that. I actually like it when people that aren't scoring well, don't take a lot of shots. Yeah. Um, but the fact that a point forward scored twenty-two, and not only that, it was a special—that's uh, unacceptable, Mario. Unacceptable. <laughs> you lost it. You know,
0: one so one of the things that I, you know, you know that I have this uh, Google sheet right where I bring in a bunch of data and uh, c- kind of use it to compare compare playstyles and rarities and stuff like that. One of the the interesting things about it is and this is historical. I think I said before, but I don't have any, any way to, you know, sort by patch dates or anything like that. But, um, point forwards are some of the best players in the game at scoring from two point, from a two point percentage perspective, right? So if you take out the three point attempts, like what is their, um, shooting, shooting percentage from two. Now their utilization is pretty low. They don't take all that many shots compared to most other offensive, um, play styles, but, uh, because of that, I would have expected, you know, a versatile forward to really to really help with that. But I guess the, these are more like, I don't know, maybe, maybe like mid-range shots that they're taking or or uh, Savage Point just had a really good game and is really good. It's probably the latter.
2: Yeah, because I feel Mario then three pulls. He does good against, you know, slashers all the way up to like pure shooters, typically. Um, but maybe, yeah, maybe it's that mid-range where... He, he is not so hot. well um, we'll see
0: how that
1: goes.
0: I don't know. You know, like it, it's really tough to know like what the how the mechanics of the the game work, right? From a coding perspective. One game. Yeah. Well I mean oh, for, yeah. so I know okay. that the developers have talked about, you know, mm-hmm. you're gonna see maybe like with pure shooters, for instance, they would even in the uh, patch where they buffed pure shooters uh, three point shooting or three point attempt rate. One of the things they said was something to the effect of they'll be taking more less mid range shots and more three point shots. Now what I don't know is, I guess I I just kind of assumed that all two point shots were sort of the same on the in the code, right. But I don't know, maybe that's not true. I I really don't know. Maybe there is an actual difference right between shots at the rim mid range shots and three point shots. right. so then We'll move a little quickly past the, the the next one. That was a shooting guard, two special pure shooters, and I I feel like both both took fifteen or sixteen shots. Both mm-hmm. made five or six of those. Three to three three threes versus four threes. A few turnovers. Like this is a pretty pretty clear wash. Yep. Any, any comment there?
2: Uh, wash and I really needed him to drop thirty. So, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. That much. that would have helped some. And then at point guard, right, so he played a special pass
0: first guard, seven points, six field goal attempts, 11 assists, zero turnovers. Claire Beecham at 20 points on 19 field goal attempts. I think that was the most of anyone on, on the in the game. Um, he was 0 of 6 from three and four turnovers himself. Do you, do you think like playing him at uh, – now, I, I think you mentioned, but I do sometimes play him at point guard and that's fine. But do you think that that had anything to do with it or
2: um- – no, I actually, actually like what he did again, that's if I see their passer, I'll immediately stick a, an offensive, highly offensive player on there. Uh, and then for the cap I had, that's, uh, that that was the best fit. And I, I'm happy with what happened. I mean, his passing guard got 11 assists. Um, I'm just glad it wasn't, you know, 14, 13, 14, 15. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that one. I don't regret that one.
0: All right. So would you, now having gone through it, would you have changed, changed anything about the lineup that you
2: said? If you um, knew the lineup that Grape was going to go with? If he was static, I definitely would have put MVT, my elite, uh, first all forward on barn dog just to get, you know, best on best. If I knew, uh,
1: <laughs> he was playing a point forward, I probably would have put, uh, james fraser on at the small forward and it would have
2: uh been ball game and then i would have kept charles i probably would have kept the same players claire and Beacham and alex Trebek. that's fine um and then bronson i just would have put him i guess against a fundamental big special um probably would have counted on losing that but that's okay okay
0: Alright, awesome. So, your your game two is, so we're recording Wednesday, November 9th. Game two is tomorrow um, on November 10th, and you're playing against Showtime Dgens. Have you thought about the lineup that you're going to put together for that?
2: So, I have. Um, you know, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of losing um, <laughs> when I've been trying to overthink stuff, and I do this hokey and I did it with my B team, Aardvarks, Alpha Aardvarks, where I'd basically play all defense. This was before the, the switch, I guess. Um, so pre-October. And they do okay because I have a um, rare defensive guard. And he. I would just constantly lose with him. I hated playing him. So I put him on my B team and just made that all defense except for one offensive player and i'd kind of just mix it up
1: um and then uh, last week i primarily did that i'd say i went 10 and 3 and i think the ones where i lost was when i strayed away from that and then of course since i just lost to grape gaming with uh, i mean overall like
2: the matchup looked like solid like i thought i was gonna win
1: all right yeah (laughs) but um Basically, I, I, I feel defense is the way to go. And so it's kind of hard for me not to do that. Not only that, so Smup um, Legend, who's playing Smup
2: 45, he actually used a defensive line lineup against Showtime DGens. He went with a defensive guard, two defensive guards, one pure shooter, a versatile forward, and a rim protector. So what I, again, literally what I call this, this Pistons lineup. I don't think you can ever go full Pistons, which I've tried. Five defensive people, and it ends up horrible. Um, but he ended up losing or uh, er, just 62 to 60. Um, so Smup was definitely there. Also, I two weeks ago, I had Showtime D-Gens in my weekly lineup, so I played him twice, and I had no answers for him. I think I did two not – I didn't do the Pistons defense ever, but I did do two separate, um, you know, just solid offense all around a little bit of everything teams. Um, and it, uh, it did not work out for me. And I think I got crushed. So it's not only that I'm losing close games. He's just, I didn't have any answer for his counters. And again, showtime D um, he'll run four, typically run four rares and, um, an underdog I believe and he just has so many types of com- combinations did you, did you want to talk about what he has right now or did you want me to keep going
0: yeah yeah so you know I was actually preparing for this for this chat and I was looking at Showtime Dijin's lineup and I remember when we talked last week we said that he had seven rares and normally plays four of them and just kind of mixes and matches which makes it really difficult to to plan for and I'm looking at his lineup now. At least as of today, he's got four rares in it, in the G- Dejins lineup. And so I was wondering, like, what happened to the other rares? Well, I found them. He's got he's got a Showtime Apprentice team, which is seven mm. and five. So he just opened it up last week, and it looks like looks as though he's playing some some of his rares there. I I think it'll be really interesting to see, like, if he moves anyone over and when, like, maybe even take a note of it and say. Like, is it going to be one of those things where he moves all all of the rares over and then you're not sure which, or if he moves only one or two, like you can feel pretty confident that, that they're going to play. I think uh, I think that's uh, really interesting and maybe may something that, that you could use as you're set, setting lineups or at least figuring out what position you want your, your guys to be at.
2: Okay, I'm looking at his roster now and that actually is interesting. So in terms of my scouting report, I feel he does two things. He starts with a wizzy or a woozy. Wizzy is his pass, rare pass first guard. Woozy is his rare playmaking big. So he'll have one on one or the other on the each end, um, and then he'll fill it from there. If he plays the playmaking big, you're sure to see two pure shooters in general. If he plays the pass first guard, you're highly likely to
1: see this rare. Um, I think it's a post scoring big spaghetti, I believe uh, Bruno Spaghetti, <laughs> and he is unstoppable. Um, he's actually someone I'm concerned with because I, yeah, I haven't seen very good defense against him even with the rim protectors. Um, and I actually played a
2: special rim protector against him, and he still put up. It, I don't think it affected affected his average scoring.
0: Um, yeah it's really it's but, really tough like just in general when you when you have teams that can run out two two shooters right like 3.2 pure shooters or uh you know two really good three-point shooters and a ball dominant like big so you you sort of have to make a choice like am i going to go with interior your defense I, I think at least right now you you can't you can't right like you you can't just give two pure shooters like free reign to to shoot now. If you go with a four four defensive lineup, your Pistons lineup that you <laughs> that you call it, like maybe that's maybe that's the way to do it. You just figure out like, are you gonna play into your defense and stick some stick some def, you know defensive guards or someone on the pure shooters or what?
2: Okay, all right. Well, so that's actually quite interesting because right now I have sort of an in-between um, setup. So to go over my lineup, um, I have a, I actually have seven, my elite shooting playmaker um, at the one. I have Mario Van Bulls playing out of position at the two. That's a versatile forward elite. So I'm basically pretty sure no matter what happens, he'll play a pure shooter there. Um, I would just hope it's a rare so I can shut him down. So that's two elites right up front, so I don't have much cap to work with. At the three is actually someone I just picked up, and I've only played twice,
1: but he is a a defensive guard. His shooting guard small forward. And his name is Bones Jones, and the reason (laughs) I picked him up is he actually does not take a lot of shots. So that's,
2: uh, and he's defensive, obviously. Um, at the four, I have a special three and D wing. And at the five, I have a rim protector uh, who's a special as well. So the goal again, would be to lock everyone down and hope that seven, my shooting play, elite shooter, playmaker outscores or outplays their first guy. So the ideal situation is if I have the pass first guard Wizzy, um, but if I do have a pure shooter, I, I just hope I outplay him. Uh, no, but now if he does not trade, or if I look there and at the last second, he has not moved his pass first guard back to that team. Yeah, then I might put in Ten Cent Magistrate, who is a play making big center. Um
1: man, I might put him in there. Or you know what? You know what, I might <laughs> put my fundamental big there. Or I, I might try to put James Fraser there. <laughs> and then I have a um a rare
2: defensive guard, Prism Mike, and put him at the one position. So I'm I'll keep my two, three, four static. Um, Okay. And it would, yeah, be defensive guard rare at the one and James Fraser fundamental big at the five, hoping that I get uh, Woozy his playmaking big. What do you think about that? Well, I think I've asked you before like, so
0: now I don't have an elite versatile forward i don't want even have a rare versatile forward um but i i at least with my my versatile forwards i don't feel like i've had that as much success as i would like putting them on three-point shooters so you feel pretty you feel pretty confident with uh mbt your elite versatile forward on a pure shooter
2: i do i'm surprisingly okay. i do feel confident with that
0: okay well then i think uh and i think that that the if if that's that's the place that I would be least confident. Like if the if he there's a chance that he's playing Bruno Spaghetti, I think that I'd probably want MBT on him if it was me. But if you're if you're confident that he'll he'll shut down a pure shooter, then I think the way that you have it set up like makes makes a lot of sense.
1: Okay, what are you? Thinking, <laughs> what would your ideal lineup be if you have one? F- for you? Ah, uh, yeah. If he if he plays. A,
2: I'm, let's just draw a line in the 10 and say assume he puts a pass first guard. Is that who he has now?
0: Yeah. On uh, no, no, no. Oh, On his sorry. roster now, he's got the playmaking big. Not the pass yeah.
2: First woozy. If he has woozy at the playmaking big, no Bruno Spaghetti, but pure shooters.
0: Yeah, I think what I uh, probably what I would do is go with Fraser at the five right on, on on his playmaking big i think i'd probably i think i'd probably play uh well i'd pr- i'd play prism mike your rare defensive guard at the 1 or the 2 right um okay. so that's two rares and then in, so, do you know do you have any idea who normally plays a 3 uh,
2: no that one switches but sometimes he has a rear versatile forward there I think he also has an underdog versatile for forward as well But um, and then he also has a underdog pure shooter that he'll put there yeah,
0: yeah so I, I guess if it was me I'd probably go with uh, MVT at the 3 or the 4 and then yeah. uh, a uh, maybe like a 3 and D at the 3 or the 4 just to give you at least someone else who can make a couple shots hopefully Mm-hmm that would be so then you're probably looking at an underdog i think and then uh if you have an underdog defensive guard or something I'm, i'd probably roll them out as, as well
1: I'd like if you, if you want to go if 22. you want to go four
0: four pistons i mean four defensive players yeah i would say like probably two defensive guards a three and d at the one through three mvt at four just in case he does play bring in spaghetti yeah also and then fraser at the five
1: Okay. Say we're
2: not restricted to um, Pistons lineup. What would you do? Uh.
0: So it's it seems unlikely that he's gonna play um in, interior defense. I think, right? So like I would I would certainly still be putting in Fraser somewhere. Probably okay. at the five. Because it seems like he's either playing that post scoring big or the playmaking big at the five, and that's probably where I put Fraser too. Um okay. I I think it's I I I'll probably want a pure shooter in there somewhere, either my guy Jacosta Cameron the rare or um, Alex. See, Trayback. it's or Alex Trebek, but it's it's really hard because you know, like we haven't really played with each other's players, so I don't. <laughs> I I, don't, right. I never like think about your guys as I'm setting up my team. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I'd probably go, like, maybe with, like, Murtaugh Fitzgibbons, who's my special defensive guard at the one or the two, and then and then probably another defensive guard
1: at the other spot as well.
2: Oh, That's so probably, you'd yeah. still
1: run two defensive guards,
2: given I all think so. offense?
1: Okay. I think so. I mean, if
0: you're thinking that he's – and I don't know this because I haven't you, – you probably looked at it more than me, but I think you yeah. said – you feel like he's pretty pretty much guaranteed to run two pure shooters, right?
1: Yeah.
2: That if he plays his post playmaking big. And he's actually run three pure shooters before.
0: Yeah, so then nice. yes, I would I would I would probably go both defensive guards. Okay.
2: Interesting. I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's tough. Like like you said, it's really tough because he, he plays so many different players and they're all at the same level.
2: So it's not like you can really count
0: on like this particular guy playing for sure or that particular guy playing
2: for sure. Right. Yeah, it's a gamble, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. I'll, thanks for the heads up on people being traded. I'll keep an eye on that because I think that does change a lot, um, in terms of where I want to put my offense, my sole offensive guy.
0: All right. Well, good. Thanks for thanks for joining another episode. I'll be I'll be really excited to see how the game plays out. Maybe we'll uh, we'll jump on. Uh, not record it, but maybe we'll jump on and watch the watch the play by play again together. Uh, cool. I wish you the best. Thank
2: you.